Okay, now we will have our sermon by our pastor, Steve Andrews, entitled, When God Tells Us No. Well, greetings all, and to those that might be listening in today on our live stream, welcome. I know I might be stretching this a little bit to ask this question, mainly for some of us older people that have been around for a while, but do you remember, uh, even in the later years of your youth, when your parents, mother or dad, told you no, <laughs> or stop, or any of those other negative things that we consider negative, uh, really not especially when they were trying to keep you from running out into the street or doing something that you shouldn't do, especially as you got older and you were doing things that teenagers and different things shouldn't do. I know my dad would say no to me and I'd ignore him. I don't know what seems like a bad thing to say, but I, I know we had a, a lot of rounds when I was young and wanted to, to do my own thing. but. It's important to understand uh, there's many things that as an adult we look back and the ways uh, you know if we're crossing the street or anything if we're parents we want to make sure that our children are safe that they have uh, safe passage in this life and I, I know that uh, there was a lot of times with my own children that I would have to get after them if they started running away from me We've even watched uh, some of our, our children's with their children, our grandchildren, and they would have to get after them when they would start running away. You know, God is our maker, also as the first parent, uh, because he made the first children, <coughs> and he gave them a beautiful place to live and everything that they needed, and he told them no, didn't he? He told them no. We're going to see that here in a second. But I wanted to, to, to enlighten us a little bit because even though sometimes we put a negative connotation on no, the Bible has a lot to say about no, none, not, and neither. Especially no, 1,316 verses with 1,393 times. I'm not going to go through all these, by the way, today. I don't have enough time to, to, to do that. Uh, going through just a few of these is, is going to be more than um, enough here today to cover a little bit of what I want to say. None, 341 verses, 358 times. Not seems to have the majority. 5,582 verses. 6,597 times in the Bible. So if you want to do a real long study, not is a good one to, to start with. And neither, 802 times, verses 879 times in the Bible. So it gives you an idea that the Bible is filled with those things that sometimes we need because we need to be told no, or not, or none, or neither, 
And there's some other words that I haven't included in that, but those are some of the ones that I had put down uh, for today. Instruction from the maker. When God put Adam into the garden and Eve, he have that, gave them the one beautiful place to live. Didn't even need any clothes. The atmosphere, everything was great. All the things were good. Didn't even need any clothes. They lived in it with, without it. But he did tell them one thing. And he told them, no, don't do this. And we know, we're very familiar with Genesis, the second chapter, and a couple of verses there. He said, the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree, verse 16, of every tree you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. And the Lord God has said it is not good that a man should be alone, and I make him help me. So they were both told, no, don't do that. Don't go to that tree. And yet we know what happened, that, they, that Eve was beguiled and that this uh, started the, the, the situation down through the ages that we have today. But this was a, a loving command from our maker. And down through the ages, he has preserved these commands for us. And sometimes we think of them as negative in our, own, in, in our life. Why does he tell me, no, that I can't do this, or that I shouldn't do that? But as the maker who made us, he has that responsibility. Because like a father or like a mother, he, he needs to be able to tell his creation the way that, that they should live. And so we know that God has left us many, many things that we have in the Bible that, that direct our lives. Uh, David, I appreciate David's message today because <clears throat> we, uh, I, I didn't know that it would be that close to, to dovetailing what I had when after I read it, uh, what he had uh, written there, but it, it, it's very interesting that understanding the things that are in the Bible do give us an advantage. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that we, um, it just means that God has blessed us. And we wish that everyone understood these things. And we wish that the world would understand what's in the Bible and be blessed by it. But consequently, it's not going to happen until the kingdom of God comes. I'm afraid to say that. He did leave us some, some profound things in Exodus, the 20th chapter. In verse 3, and we know this is the giving of, <clears throat> of the commandments at the base of Mount Sinai. And he says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. In, in Leviticus, I'm just, just hold your place there, because I, when I was thinking about this, I also, idolatry is all the way through the scriptures. God teaches his children, not to have idols. In Leviticus 26, verse 1, You shall make you no idols, nor graven images, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. 
And we know that there are some, even some religions out there that have images that they bow down to, that they believe are sacred to them. And yet God has given us that instruction not to do that, not to build those. And so, and in fact, the image that most of these supposedly Jesuses that they have are nothing. <laughs> the effeminate, long-haired Jesuses that are, are portrayed in, in most of the paintings that you find are not the Jew that Jesus was, who was short-haired, dark, probably with a larger nose than, than most. And he was from the tribe of Judah. He was not um, a long-haired effeminate like some of that shows. And so we understand from the scriptures, you shall have no other gods before the true God. He says you shall, and going back to now to Exodus, the 20th chapter, you shall make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or the earth beneath or there's no water under the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them nor serve them for the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation that hate me. These are, even though it, it puts us at, at worshiping the Without anything in front of us, we know that we please God when we honor Him in that way. You can read about the Sabbath. I want to go back there. I want to go down now to 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 the to the thirteenth through the seventeenth verses here. In in the Ten Commandments, you shall not kill. Really, you shall not murder. Um, I misspoke to my wife this morning. She corrected me. I had read a, a news article in which there had been, and I thought it was in Chicago. She said, no, I had said New York. 300 and some murders uh, since the beginning of the year. I'm not quoting it exactly this time. But the other part of it was there had been 1,400 plus abortions in the same length of time in that area. And every time I think about what that means, it really is very disturbing. We just went and saw Unplanned just recently. I think it's almost out of the theaters now. We just barely, I think, got under the, the wire to see that. And to just witness what that is all about is just almost heart-wrenching. Uh, and gut-wrenching at the same time. Yeah, sometimes, uh, I think my wife had her hands over her eyes when they were doing some of the things in there. <clears throat> but even the, the, the um, day after pill, or whatever they want to call it, it is, is no cakewalk for a woman. It is horrible what, what is going on, and it continues to go on. And I don't know if you heard the news, but there's somebody out there that says, well, you know, you you're going to have to kill them either before they're born or after they're born because you don't like them. And I thought, this is a representative of our country? And he's saying that? Anyway, um, I could go on, but I'm not going to, to, to belabor that. But it says, you shall not kill. You shall not murder. And especially, you shall not murder your unborn. 
and yet it's a part of our own society today. You shall not commit adultery. We, we understand that that ruins marriages. And sometimes you can repent, and things can work out, but there's always suspicion when that happens, no matter what. There's always suspicion between the two, the couples. And sometimes it just ends in, in, in hatred and divorce and everything, so committing adultery, God has said in His loving kindness not to do that. You shall not steal. Boy, is this ever a country in which theft seems to be the, the biggest thing, that everybody is stealing from, from people and, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lying and those things. You shall not cover it. I think this last one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that's your neighbor's. God has given us the ability to be productive on our own and to learn and to, to, to grow without taking and coveting from someone else. He's given us the, the mind and that ability. Without that covetous, you shall not covet. Instructions from the maker. Sometimes we don't. Oh, I wrote down, uh, David mentioned, and I was going to put it in there, uh, John 6, 44, no man can come to the Father except through Christ. I was going to put, no man can come. So there's a, a positive word. In Leviticus, the seventh chapter, my second point is the, the dietary laws. And sometimes it's hard for people to understand this. I, I know that it is. And, but there's a reason. If, if you're the creator... And you know your creation. And by far, you know your creation better than, <laughs> better than your created ones. Even though they think they're smart. Even though they think they're smart. And you have created them. And in that, you have all this complexity. All this tremendous complexity because that's what we are we're very complex God has created something that is so powerfully and wonderfully made so complex all the way down to those little machines that are working constantly inside of our bodies and he created that and he also created the code that keeps us going keeps our mind and all the codes that runs all the things in this in this this universe from the littlest bacteria all the way up to the largest animals in the ocean and everything. He created it all. And he, he knows. Because he created it. If, if you built something and you started from scratch and you built something, you would know how that thing operates. I think uh, my, uh, um, Zach is now going to college and, and he's doing some robotics stuff 
So he's building robots from scratch. So he knows what he's built, and he knows how it operates. And so he's the creator of that robot. So when we come and we say, oh, I could just about eat anything I want to eat. I don't care what it says. And yet, if you really want to know what God thinks about that, you go into his word and you look, and you, you come to understand that he has certain rules and regulations and certain things that he's created. All those, maybe flies and fleas and things like that, I'm not sure where some of that ticks. I, I, you know, I'm not sure why some of those were created, but they, they absolutely got to have some place out there. I, I'm sure that they, they fit in somewhere. But God has created these things and has given us the bounds. Speak to the children of Israel, verse 23. Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, so that's verse 22, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall eat no manner of fat, of ox, or of sheep, or of goats, of the fat of the beast that dies of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts may be used in any other use, but you shall not in any wise eat of it. So he, he lays out some dietary things, also some what you, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what you should take I mean, it's, these are so positive. Way before there was even any uh, understanding of, of laws of cleanness and unclean things and, and germs and that, the Bible already laid those things out. And it's interesting, when people began to read the Bible, and they oh, wait a minute. What if we began to do this? Would, would our health be any better? <clears throat> now, see... <clears throat> Let's see, I didn't want to go too far in that one. I wanted to go, <clears throat> and, and, and God laid this down in, in the beginning after Noah came over uh, from the flood in Genesis, the ninth chapter. Some things changed, and, and beginning in verse 4, he says, uh, he gives... <laughs> By the way, this is kind of misleading in a way because Noah did know what clean and unclean because he brought, he brought seven, uh, seven pairs of clean animals into the, to the ark and only two pairs of unclean animals into the ark. So when it says every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you or food for you, even as the green herb gave I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. You and, um, and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast. I will require it at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother. I will require the life. Because the, the life is in the blood. Who sheds man's blood? By man shall the blood be shed. For the, Im for the image of God made he man. And you, be you fruitful and multiply. So it, he told... Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and then Noah when they came out of the ark he told him be fruitful multiply bring forth abundantly on the earth and multiply therein his family can be as large as he wants it billions trillions of us sons in the kingdom and so that's the reason why he says be fruitful and multiply God is not afraid of overpopulation, by the way. 
uh, which man seems to be afraid of overpopulation. What happens is that certain things begin to change when population begins to, to, to change. And right now, us older people are not going to be along, around that much longer. <clears throat> so we need some young people to come along, run factories, do this, do that. And I think for the last few years, the percentage of older people to the percentage of new babies and children coming along has not been quite equal. So when it's old ones are gone, there may not be quite as many young ones around to fill those positions. And at one time they thought, oh boy, we're going to explode from our population and it's going to over, overrun the world. And yet we we're finding out that that's not going to happen. And in fact, it's interesting in America, <coughs> there's certain parts of America you can go and drive for hours and not see anything, except for maybe trees. I, we, we made the north and south trip from in, uh, in Louisiana. Uh, trees and more trees and more trees and hardly any other thing but trees. It was very interesting. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of land where nobody hardly ever lives. Of course, it might be mostly swamp. I don't know. Okay, Leviticus, the 11th chapter. I'm not going to read all that. I think everybody is is pretty familiar with Leviticus, the 11th chapter. What I want to focus on is, is what God says at the end. By the way, my Bible, this is all in red. There's a lot of red in the first four books. Well, actually, the first three books, because Deuteronomy is, is uh, Moses' retelling. But even in it, when he quotes God, it's in red. So... Here at the end, after we've gone through all these different animals that God says, this is what you can eat, can't eat. <coughs> this is what's unclean, what's clean. I apologize. <coughs> we've been having some kind of a whatever that's gotten into our throat, and then we both of us get up in the morning and cough, and we, we wonder if we're going to survive the day. He says, for I am the Lord your God. He uses the Jehovah Elohim. I am the Lord your God. You can't get much higher than this, this statement that he makes here. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves. Well, wait a minute. Consecrate? Sanctify? Didn't that mean holiness? I think that means holiness, doesn't it? Isn't that what the New Testament is talking about, being holy? And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with this manner of creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And there's a lot of creepy things out there. There's a lot of people that try to eat those creepy things out there. And I don't know how they do it, but they do. And God says that's not for us. You believe God, you want to live by God's laws and by God's way, you will, you will follow what it says in here, and you will live this way. And you're honoring God when you do this. He says, for I am the Lord your God that brings you out of the land of Egypt uh, to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And of course, again, then it's requoted back in the New Testament because it's important for us to understand that that kind of holiness continues on. And this is the law of the beast and the fowl and every living creature that moves in the waters and every creature that creeps upon the earth to make a difference to make a difference 
between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may be not eaten. (coughs) So we have (coughs) instruction in which we use, you're not supposed to eat this or you can eat this. So let's look also at, um, let's go back, let's go to the next point, point number three. Unrighteousness shall not enter, the unrighteous shall not enter into the kingdom. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Now, I could have read that whole uh, chapter to you, but I think you can read that chapter on your own and be able to figure that out, I think. Let's begin in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, a, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Um, so, don't you know? Aren't you aware? Essentially what they say, aren't you aware that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Wow, there's another one. Don't be deceived. Neither... Okay, here we have a bunch of negatives <coughs> with negative people. Fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with animals. And excuse me, I'm about ready to lose my voice. Uh, so I better get something here. nor uh, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds negative, and yet, if we follow that and don't do those, then that means we can inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, as such as were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. There's that word again, set apart, sanctified. But you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. <coughs> now he makes some interesting story, statements here that uh, are a little hard to understand. But <coughs> I think by the time we get to the end, I think you'll, you'll come to a better understanding. He says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, or food actually is what that really means, if you look it up, for the belly. And belly for the food. But God shall destroy both and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So what we're really pointing to is the things that he just got through talking about, about uh, the unrighteous not inheriting the kingdom of God. And God has both raised up the Lord and will raise up us by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. If we could just understand God's word, if 
the world, if they would listen, if they would comprehend what we're, what we're talking about today, if they would just listen, they would find out about these very straightforward, simple things that God is talking about. Don't sin, because these are sinful things, and you're not going to make it into the kingdom. What? Know you not that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, says he, shall be one flesh. And he goes right back to Genesis 2, 24, and talks about uh, the, 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 um, uh, the joining of a man and a woman in marriage. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. He says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Remember we talked about adultery. Well, we're doing the same thing here with fornication and, and the sins that come from sexual impurity. What? Know you not? Or was not again? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, come on now. You know that, don't you? You know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to people that should know. But they don't. Which is in you. Which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God lays out the plan. God created us, made us marvelously complex. I mean complex. And laid out the plan. And so we, we read his word. And we understand what he wants us to do. And now, we're just required to be obedient to it and live by it. In Second Peter, we see some, some more. Yeah. I know Second Peter's in here somewhere, so we'll get there pretty soon. Okay, here we go. Second Peter, the second chapter. And I'm going to read the whole chapter because I, it's very relevant to what I'm talking about today. He said, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who secretly shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they be fain, shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved to judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the ape, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an, over, with, with an overthrow, making them an example to those that afterward should live ungodly, and delivered Lot, just Lot, vexed with filthy com, uh, conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul, from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And I hope that's exactly what you feel living in this society today. 
because it sure seems quite <coughs> close to, to, to what Lot was having to live with. He says, Lord, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the undressed unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, sumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring no railing accusation against them before the Lord. <coughs> but these are natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil the things that they understand not, shall utterly perish in their own corruption, shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they have they count it um, a pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in the blemishes, sporting themselves with their own de uh, deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass, speaking with a man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with tempest, to, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. When, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through the wantonness of those, uh, those that were clean, escape. Uh, from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome in the same is he brought in bondage. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Uh, our faith is only very important. And our belief and our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ and His promises that we shall have eternal life are extremely important. And that no matter whatever is going out around us or in the world or anything, holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ as our foundation is the most important thing that we can have. For it, it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. That's why we stay with it. We stick with it. We, we believe and understand the word of God. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wall in the mire. And so he's pretty, pretty picturesque about those who... Um, go astray and go back. When it comes to how important it is to study, how important it is to understand God's Word, sometimes it's, it's hard because the Bible is, is so big and there's so much information in it. But God laid down, a, a <laughs> He laid it down when, when He had so many unrighteous things happening with his own children. Uh, the, the tribes of Judah and the tribe of Israel. 
And he laid this out, and so this is how we study. This is how, how we put things together. And it's, it's found in Isaiah, the 28th chapter. And it's, it's a very good way to uh, put the Bible together and to put it all in context. And here's what, here's what it says, beginning in verse 9 of, uh, of Isaiah, the 28th chapter. When shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So as soon as you get the basics, you need to start understanding deeper things in the Bible. Basics are important. Understanding the Ten Commandments, understanding you know, what God is doing, those things, these are, there's some basic, the holy days, all of those. But then, deeper study of the Word. For precept must be on precept, precept on precept, line upon line, line upon line. I hear a little, uh, here a little, and there a little. That's how we learn. We put it all together. We start in Genesis, and we go to Revelation, and we put the Bible together. We study a subject. I remember, and I've said this many times before when uh, we were first married, we both had Bibles. I always had Bibles. Lots of Bibles I've had over the years. <clears throat> and uh, I had, and she had a really nice one, Miriam had a real nice one, and I had one of those wide margin Bibles. And I really hate to tell this, but that's, uh, I've told it before, so I guess I can uh, tell it again. Uh, I had done a lot of marking, and uh, I had the Sabbath all marked out, especially marked out, so I could turn to the beginning, you know, in Genesis, and go all the way to Revelation and talk about the Sabbath. And I had that all in there. And what did I do? We come out of church one day, and I had both of our Bibles, and I set them on top of our car. <laughs> and I, uh, I drove off. And guess what? I went back. I found them. And both of them were pretty badly ruined, especially my wide-margin, high-dollar Bible that I had really wanted so badly, and I had put so much effort into it. And it had just blown apart. I mean, it was in really bad shape. But understanding that that is the way to, to do it. If you're, if you're starting out, let's say you're starting out, and you really want to understand the Sabbath, you, you, you get a, a strong concordance or, or, or get online and get um, ESORD or any one of the other Bible things, and you start in the beginning, and you go all the way through, and you mark your Bible. I'm saying that for a reason, because sometimes... If we just read through it, we can forget. But if you take the time, you literally take the time, and you sit there and you mark your Bible, it will stay with you longer because it's an effort. It really is. And there's a lot of scriptures about the Sabbath down through there. Now, if you want, to, you want to understand about the Holy Days, you can do that. You want to understand about salvation or any of those things, you can go in there and you can grab... Um, a strong concordance or a Cruden's concordance or e-sword or any of those, and you can mark it. And it is so very, very easy. So precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Now, that gives us our code to being able to understand all of what God has written, not just parts. Uh, some have taken to to you know, grabbing things out and, and not having context. I believe that God wants us to have the full context of what he says because all scripture is God-breathed. Second Timothy. We'll read that here. 
get to it. Somewhere down here, Timothy is. I know it's in here. Yeah, there it is. 2 Timothy 3. And here we are again. All the things going on in the world. And he's talking to this young... And we've read this before, because this is very important, but I think reading again gives us another strong sense of what Paul was saying. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I think I've been seeing perilous times coming for quite a while. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and that means um, uh, without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are, that are, are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, for such turn away. For this, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with different lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, concerning the faith. But they shall, <clears throat> they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest to all men, as uh, theirs also was. But you, having fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, uh, charity, which is love, and patience, persecution, affli uh, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue you in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, Boy, this is, this is powerful stuff. He goes in, he talks about what's going on in the world, and then he talks about how important the Word of God is in your life. If all of this is going on out there in the world, and you need to be in this Word, you need to understand what it says, because it will reveal the things that are happening, and will reveal the sinfulness of the world, and help us to understand it. From a a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so there's that faith again, that belief in Christ Jesus that gets us through all of our trials and our tribulations. All Scripture. When he wrote this, what did he have for Scripture? It had to be the old, what we call the Old Testament. So you, <clears throat> And now we have added, and we know that these things that have been added, the, the Gospels and, and Paul's writings and, and, and Peter and James and all of those are, are part of that scripture now. But when, they, when he was writing this to Timothy, they only had the Old Testament. And they, they might have had it in the Septuagint because it was around. 
they also had it in the synagogue so they could open it up and they could read just like Jesus did right out of Isaiah. So he says, all scriptures is given by inspiration of God or it's God breathed and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in right, instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. In other words, he's, he's mature, thoroughly furnished under all good works. It's so important that we understand that. Sometimes in the world that we live in, we have all kinds of temptations and trials. And the, Bi the Bible talks about turning to God during those times of tribulation and trial. Because he'll bring you out of it. He'll help you through it. He'll help you through the times in which we struggle with things the times that we struggle in, in our life. I'm not going to read that because I'm running out, and I've got one section that I really want to cover today because it's the positive side of what God says. In fact, all of this, even though it says not and no and none, it's still the positive. He says also, do no evil. Don't, in the, the world around you, it's easy to just go along with things. But understand the word, and when it says no, not, never, don't ever do that. Follow the word of God. You'll be blessed by it. So my last point, the new man, the new way. And Paul wrote some very interesting things about that. In Romans, the 10th chapter, and I, I, when I first wrote this down, I had them in a different order. And I think I've got them in the right order to, to Brian. But I hope Romans, the 10th chapter, hopefully he'll be able to, <clears throat> put it there. <clears throat> One of the things we learn when we come into this way and we're baptized is that um, God wipes out the, the differences. Wipes those differences out. Because we're, we're all the same under Christ. He says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is over all, is rich to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's an important part. How then shall we call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they are be sent? As, it, as it's written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good news. And that's another message that's in the Bible. The kingdom of God and the good news about that kingdom of God that's going to come to this earth. And that's a, a, another total sermon that we could preach and we could go on and talk about those glad tidings of good things, good things coming to this earth. The, they, for the, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, so faith comes by that hearing. Sometimes we're, um, we're reading, we're listening, uh, we're reading and we're studying, but sometimes we need to hear the word of God read. It helps to even have a, a set of a Bible DVDs to just listen to um, someone reading the word. Just reading it out and listening to what it said. I remember one time years ago, and I have not been able to find it, and I wish I could. It was an NIV version, 
of, of the book of Hebrews. And it, in the background, it had some music. It was a very pleasing music. And as he was reading the inflections and the way he was talking, there were certain words that were just jumping out. It was just like it was, it, I was just receiving those words. The better was so profound in what he was reading. And so sometimes, sometimes reading it helps. Sometimes listening helps. I'm hoping sometimes when I preach helps. I'm not so sure sometimes, but I'm, uh, God's given me the, the best I've got. So uh, <clears throat> uh, anyway, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's, look, let's go to Galatians, the third chapter. And these are all Paul's words as we, as we finish up today. Paul has some, some powerful things to say in just a couple of verses here. 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all you are all one in Christ Jesus. I just love that word. There, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now there's a study. If you want to study, you go look at that as Abraham and the promises that were given to Abraham. And if we are Christ, we are, Ab we are also a part of that. We're Abraham seed and heirs according to the promise. Some powerful words that Paul wrote right there, by the way. Now, let's go one more, one more uh, Colossians, the last, <coughs> last verse, our last uh, few scriptures here. And I'm going to read um, 1 to 17 in Colossians, the third chapter. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. When you pray or when you're sitting or meditating, do you think about Christ sitting at the right hand of God as your advocate? as the one that is there for you, as your high priest, the one who is cheering for you, so to speak. I want him in my kingdom. Look at them. They're, he's praying. He's, he's studying my word. He's looking at all of this. I want him in the kingdom. Because Christ is sitting there, and he's saying that to the Father. Set your affection on high above, not on the things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. That's a promise. We're going to be in the kingdom in glory. He says, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. There are some that are not going to repent. Even when the angels come to bring the gospel message, there are some that will not repent. And they will be what is called the children of disobedience. 
in the which you also walked in some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these. Get rid of all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Boy, isn't that a, isn't that a truth today? It's hard, it's hard to be any, around <coughs> even, even women of the world today seem to have a problem with potty mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with its deeds, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on therefore the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Many men have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on love, which are, or it says charity, but it's, it does mean love, which is the bond of perfectness, or perfectness. And let the peace of God, why, the peace of God, rule your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be you thankful. One of the things that I think the society has a problem with, and sometimes even even our, um, maybe even we have a little problem with, is truly being thankful for the things we have. We live in a tremendously wonderful place with all the bounty that God has blessed it with. And sometimes we're not thankful for what we have. We don't necessarily need a great deal of wealth to be thankful to God for the things that we have. What we need is to be thankful for what he is doing in our life and for the things that he does provide for us. The food, the housing, the shelter, the different things that he provides. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do you in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. So, in conclusion, this last verse and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him.